So for me, I think what happened, I, I was really praying a lot about what I was going to preach on this Sunday. And because of my interactions with Bernice over the last couple of months and then the one that I had last week before she passed away, I really felt like God was giving me some, some things to think about. And as a pastor, as you're ministering to people in your church, when that time comes and they're getting ready to move on to be with Jesus for all eternity, it really, it really brings some things to your mind, not just for, for them, but also for yourself. You start to kind of reflect on your own life. And I really felt like that God was giving me a message to you all today in regards to having no regrets in life. Having no regrets. And as we're between the series that I did about the end times and about how Jesus has called us to live the life that he's called us to live, to be the light in the darkness during these last days, and I'm about ready to go into a series here next Sunday that's brand new that I really feel like is going to be awesome um, I really feel like this was the time right here on this Sunday to talk about our life, to look on it, and to make sure that when the time comes and we know we're getting to that place where God is calling us home, that we have no regrets. And for me, I think that's really important. I'm getting older, all of us are getting older, and I think the younger you are, it's hard to look back and say, I have no regrets. But I think even as being young people, I think we still have regrets. But especially as you move down the, to the age group and we get to the point where we're almost like Bernice hitting 95, there may be some things in our life that, that we have done that we have some regrets about. And what I want to avoid is for us that as we're doing life and we're following after Jesus the best that we can, is I don't want us to have regrets that hold us back. And I think there's two things in our life that we have regrets over. First one is sin. I mean, the Bible does say we will all sin and fall short of the glory of God. So every one of us, including myself, have sinned. Not one of us is innocent, we're all guilty. And even as believers, as we follow Jesus the best that we can, we still stumble and fall. We still sin. That includes me. We all do. But where it gets really bad is, even though we repent of that sin, we still carry the regret. And we carry that with us. The second thing that I think we do is that we sometimes regret decisions that we've made in our life. They may not necessarily be sinful, but they're decisions in our life that we have made that we wish that if we could do a mulligan, or we could somehow bend the space-time continuum and go back in time, that we would have a do-over on that, right? There would be some crossroads in our life to where we may have take, taken one direction and we really wish we would have gone that direction instead. There's some decisions in our life that I think we can all say that we've made that even though we're redeemed and we're saved by Jesus, even though he's made us a new creation in him, we still sometimes hold on to that regret. And the devil uses that. He does. He uses that to keep us from moving into what God has for us. He uses that to keep us at bay. He uses that to tie up our hearts and our minds so that we don't experience the full freedom that Jesus bought and paid for for us. And that is one of the key weapons that he has. He wants us to be afraid. He wants us to have no peace. He wants us to be buried in regret. And I'm going to talk about what regret is here in a minute. 
But Jesus said something that is very powerful. Of course, he said a lot of powerful things, but this thing really sticks with me. He said, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. Amen? Because I think sometimes we feel like the regret that we hold on to or that we're carrying in our life can't possibly be taken away. That somehow I'm going to feel that regret the rest of my life. And what Jesus said is, no, 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 no. Not just healing, not just miracle signs and wonders, not just the fact that he saved us from death and from our own sin, but the fact that he can actually take away this sense that I have this regret that's holding me back, that he can reach down and take that from us. Because there's something else that he said that I think is equally as impo- uh, is powerful. Not just that with God all things are, are possible, but the fact that with him nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. And I think he can use the regret that we're all carrying not only for our own good, but also for his glory. And that, to me, seems like that's an impossible thing that God can do. Because for me, there's some regret that I'm carrying that I feel like it's impossible for God to take away. But he can do it. And if he can do it for me, he can do it for all of you and for those of you that are watching online. So with that, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the people that are in this room today, those that are watching online. Father, I thank you that whatever burden we're carrying into this place this morning, whatever it is that we are dealing with, whether it's sin or decisions we've made that have caused regret in our life, the fact that we continue to carry that, Father, I just believe right now that those things will be squashed by your word, that people will be encouraged today, that when we leave here, we're not going to leave here the same way we came in. Father, I thank you that you've given me the words to speak today, and I ask that it touches everyone's hearts today, and that you do a transformation in their life when it comes to regret. And Father, I pray this right now, in Jesus' name, amen. So this may be a little difficult for me to talk about today, because it really is fresh, but a few weeks ago, I remember getting a phone call that Bernice nails went into the hospital and this time it looked like it was time for her to pass away. And so I went up to the hospital to see her and I was sitting next to her bed and she really looked like it was getting to that time and from all my experience in sitting with people as they're getting ready to die, it just really looked like this was it. And she grabbed my hand and she said something to me that that I was actually shocked to hear. She said, have I done enough in my life? And I didn't know how to answer that question. Who am I to to say you have done enough in your life? I'm not Jesus. I'm not the one that's going to judge your life when that time comes. Not only that, but what I could hear in her voice was there was a sense of regret. And what it did was it shined a light on me in my own life. And I started asking the same question. Here I am at 49 years of age and I've been in ministry for nine years. Have I done enough with my life? 
And I think that question is, with her anyway, it's from a heart of really, truly wanting to evaluate her life as she's getting ready to pass away and say, have I done enough for Jesus? Did I finish the call that he gave me? And let me tell you something, with her and because I know her life, I believe she absolutely has. And I had to tell her that. I was like, listen, you were the wife of a pastor for many years. That is not an easy calling for somebody. Let's fast forward to now, today, and how much you've been such an encouragement and a prayer warrior for those of us in this church and for home church, for me and my family. You have done more than enough with your life. So a couple weeks later, I get a a phone call as she is now moved from the hospital into hospice care and assisted living that she's now incoherent and probably virtually knocking on heaven's door. And I went to see her last Tuesday and she was, she was in deep sleep and I wasn't going to wake her but I just sat there with her as long as I could and I just prayed over her and what I felt like her spirit was saying to my spirit was make the most of your life. Make the most of your life. Translation, no regrets. As long as you still have breath in your lungs, God has a call for you. He has things for you to do. And I know many people in this room have said to me, especially some of the younger people as they're heading off to college, that they feel like that they're entering a new season in their life. And I feel that way too about about me and about my family and our church, that we're moving into a new season. And you know what? We can't move into that new season if we're holding on to regret. Oh, we can. It just won't be as satisfying. It just won't be as fulfilling. It just won't be as fruitful, I think, as God wants it to be. And regret is such a powerful thing, and the devil uses it to his advantage. Regret is is made up of many different pieces. So if I'm dealing with regret, then what I'm holding on to is a little, little piece of shame. Give me some of that. I'll take that piece. My regret also can be a piece known as, as judgment and condemnation. I'll go ahead and take some of that as well. Not just condemnation from people, but self-condemnation, because every time I look in the mirror, I regret something. I'll take that piece. Feeling guilty, feeling angry, feeling frustrated, all these things, these pieces that we take that make up this thing called regret. And as I was pondering that, because I have experience with it as well, there's regrets that I deal with, as I ponder those things, what I end up doing is taking those pieces and putting it into a cross that I carry. The cross of regret is this cross that Jesus never ever meant for us to carry. But yet I'm carrying it. There's a lot of us in here that are carrying that cross. And we were never, ever meant to carry it. And what does that cross do? It, it, it holds us down. Jesus said that I want you to pick up your cross and follow me so others will know that you're my disciple. That cross is not a cross of shame, guilt, condemnation, anger, frustration, regret. 
That cross is bowing down to the will of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the cross. The cross that we carry is what his will is for our life. That cross is not the cross of my will or my issues that I'm dealing with. And as you follow Jesus and fulfill his will, then that cross becomes persecution. That cross becomes attacks of the enemy on your life. Those things are worthy of carrying as you're moving forward and following Jesus because they're a mark of somebody who's living the gospel. Hello, living proof that I talked about last month. But yet somehow we carry guilt, shame, condemnation, frustration, anger, and regret. And all that does is muddy the waters. All that does is keep us from living a life that God says needs to be joyful in Jesus. The joy of him is our strength. Yet that strength is put aside because we're miserable in our regrets. Today is an opportunity that I'm going to give you because God told me so. And let me, I don't mean to use that phrase flippantly. I just really feel led that he wants me to have you all have an opportunity as well as me to lay down our regrets today so that we can move forward in this new season, whether it's college, whether it's work, whether it's family, whether it's whatever, with joy. And no more baggage, no more carrying a cross into this next season unless it's the cross of whatever Jesus told you to do. That's important. So what do we do? We give him control. Our life is constantly a life of giving God control. Not just over our finances, not just over our families, not just over our jobs, not just over whatever he's calling us to do, but over our own selves. And that is the hardest thing to do because we like to control our life. We like to plan it out. We like to make sure that whatever decision we're making is not the wrong decision. We like to stop doing that sin that we still do and control it. It's not in our own power nor by our own might, but it's by his spirit we're able to do anything. So why is it that we retain control of our life and not give that over fully surrendered to Jesus? And part of that is giving him our regrets and saying this cross that the enemy meant for me to be crucified on is not the cross that I'm going to be crucified on for I am crucified with you, Jesus. It is not I that lives anymore, but you that lives in me. Here it is. And we're going to give it to him today if you're carrying that cross of regret. So I was reminded of this passage in John chapter 6 when I was meditating on this, thinking about Bernice Thinking about how, as she died gracefully, how that impacted my life. And this is from a very familiar passage to me. A lot of us know the story. If you're a believer or an unbeliever, you know this story. It is the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, which is a tremendous miracle. But after he had fed everybody, the Bible says this in verse 12. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples... Gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the first barley loaves left by those who had eaten. 
Jesus told his disciples to gather up the fragments. What hit me was the miracle did not stop just at them being fed. The miracle continued because they were able to gather up 12 baskets full of those fragments. That is like living proof that that miracle happened. These 12 baskets full. So as everybody is sitting there, 5,000 men, not counting women and children, so a whole lot more than 5,000 are sitting there with the food digesting in their bellies, not seen, already consumed, here is 12 baskets of leftover fragments. And what I believe God is saying through this to us is that it's like the disciples, it's our responsibility to gather those fragments that form that regret and bring it to him and let's see what he does with them. How is he going to take that stuff that we've done, the decisions we've made, the sin that we've committed, these things that form our regret, and how is he going to take them and use them for our good and use them for his glory? That's the miracle that's also in touch with the miracle of him releasing us of the regret. The first miracle is regret taken away. The second is the living proof that we are walking with Jesus and that we have a testimony that forms from these things that have caused regret in our life. And I think sometimes we want this testimony so that we can tell others, and that's what God really wants ultimately is for us to glorify him by telling what he has done, telling others what he has done in our life and giving him glory for it so they will come to know Jesus. But sometimes that testimony is of his goodness for our own self so that we know that he is with us, so that we know that we are no longer held by guilt, condemnation, anger, frustration, whatever it is that you're dealing with, we're no longer held by that regret. And instead, we are released, we have that freedom. We sense his presence with us, which gives us the confidence to fully move into the new season that he has for us. There is your 12 baskets of fragments that are left. But what we have to do is we have to give him those fragments. Isaiah chapter 64 was the next thing that I started to think of. This is in verse 8. Isaiah wrote this, he says, but now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. What is he going to do with those fragments that we give him to him? If we give him those fragments, then he is the great potter who is going to take those fragments and mold them into this beautiful pot. He is going to use these things to help us so that we have no regrets, to help us so that we are transformed. And that is the constant thing that we do in our life as we follow Jesus, having to lay things down and allow him to pick up the pieces and make something beautiful out of that so that there is a testimony of his goodness for ourselves but also for those around us. If you're dealing with regret today, you are not alone. This by no means was to impugn Bernice's life because I know her heart and I've seen the things that she has done. Her life is was living proof that Jesus was in her heart. 
This is not to impugn what she has said. All it has done is made me think when the day comes when we are aware of our death, are we gonna say the same thing? Have I done enough with my life? Are we gonna have any regrets? And what I want so badly for us, the church, is when that day does come, if Jesus does not rapture us first, and that day does come and we're aware of it, that we can say, I have no regrets.